Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and Nathan Lear and myself who are both directors and private client advisors at Hewson Private Wealth host this program. Our objective is to improve financial literacy and financial awareness. Um, a topic that always is very popular and gets lots of listens on our podcast um, is property. Um, th- this week, Nathan and I have a chat about where the market's at at the moment and what we think might happen going forward. As always, what we talk about is of a general nature, so always seek um, professional advice. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Welcome everybody to this week's episode. Today, Glenn and I will have a discussion about a topic we've spoken about quite a few times on the podcast and one that is quite popular with our listeners. So we'll be talking about Australian property and you know, in particular, a bit of news out there about the, uh, the prices at the moment and the, and the recent decline. So um, it, is a, it is a topic that we have spoken about on a number of podcasts, but like I said, um, you know, when we do get feedback, it is that um, you know, most Australians are interested in talking about property prices. A lot of Australians own property. So um, therefore, it's a, a topic that we thought we'd, we'd bring up again. Um, so look, it's it's quite kind of known in, in Australia that prices have have declined. Um, I guess across the board, you know, every state is different, which we'll delve into uh, in a little bit. But um, CoreLogic brought out a report of all the statistics um, in early January that I guess went w- w- at a state level um, for the 2018 year. Um, so that'll be a bit of a basis for our discussion again today. So. Uh, Glenn, I mean, you've had a quick look at the statistics as I have. Um, what was your kind of initial takeaway? Takeaway from that, yeah. I, I think one of the key takeaways is just how fragmented the property market. Or when we say property, we're talking about the residential property market. Probably how fragmented the market is, because if you look at the top line figure to say what has Australian residential property done, that on average has been a four point eight percent fall in house prices. Um, but so for 2018? For 2018. Yep, 4.8% across the, as an average across the that's country. That's right. But the extent of those falls varies from, from state to state. So, you know, the worst performer has been the Sydney market down 8.9%, Melbourne down 7%. Um, but there's, always been, there's also been some positives. So Hobart was up 8.7% uh, and Canberra was up 3.3%. So I suppose it's important to put it into context, isn't it, that not every single property has fallen by 4.8%. Some properties in some locations have increased um, and others have reduced. And it's likewise looking at those particular cities. Um, I mean, it says here Melbourne, as I said, Melbourne's down 7%. Does that mean every single property in Melbourne is down 7%? Probably not. There's probably some that are, have fallen more, more substantially than that and others that, that may have increased. Um, so I think as, as a general observation, when you're looking at these figures, it's important to put it into context and understand that property is very fragmented. Sure, sure. And look, it is, as I said at the start, it is very topical and I seem to be reading uh, an article or seeing a headline every, every day. Um, you know, I, just, I looked at one, one before where, where City, City Group um, have, or City Research, um, you know, Citibank have come out with, with a report that, you know, we're in for a, a, a temp- Australian home prices are at risk of falling by more than 10% in 2019. So we've come off a, a bad 2018 and, and it is, I, I guess, not everywhere, but you do read a lot of articles that 
that do think it's going to be a little bit more doom and gloom for the 2019 year that we've just kind of started. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll break it down a little bit and talk about a, a few things today where we can present a bit more of a balanced view. Um, because, I mean, sometimes these things we've spoken about before can be a bit of a self-fulfilling prop- prophecy and and people um, maybe, you know, they're in the, have some properties, uh, you know, sometimes people do get influenced by what they read and the headlines they see and it might actually influence their decision to, to sell in a hurry. Yeah, sellers and buyers. I mean, th- there's no doubt that um, investing or investors have dropped off. I mean, just looking at, the key drivers are if people are asking, okay, why has the property market come off? Yep. There's probably a number of reasons. Well, maybe maybe let's touch on a few of those, just yeah. as a bit of a recap for our listeners. Well, one of them is just the fact that there's less people looking to buy. The number of loans across the country has reduced. So, for example, in November, there was a 2.5% drop in housing-related loans. So, less home buyers out there looking and, and, and obtaining loans to buy property. Um, But probably more substantial than that is that um, there was a 4.5% drop in the value of loans to investors. So I suppose Mm -hmm. what that's telling us is it's not just home buyers that are, I suppose, sitting on the sidelines, but also investors. Mm -hmm. So that whole investor market's really dried up. um, And and perhaps one of the driving forces behind that has has probably been driven by the the tighter um, lending standards from the banks so the banks are really tightening their screws and limiting the ability for individuals and well homeowners and investors to borrow so if that's the case it's not just that people perhaps aren't interested in buying it's just the banks aren't lending so it's really drying up the demand for property and we've spoken in the past about the key drivers being demand and supply well if the demand is not there then that's going to obviously impact prices yep yeah i i definitely would agree that the the um I guess the tighter credit conditions that the regulator has initially kicked off has definitely had that that impact on the on the market. And in a nutshell, people are finding it a lot harder to get loans. So yeah, no, there's just, less buyers. And yeah. as far I mean, that, that were the monthly figures, but um, there's there's a there's been a thirty percent drop in the total number of investment loans since its peak in two thousand and seventeen. Yeah, that, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's third. Massive. So if you're yeah. taking 30% of the demand away. Yeah, that's well, massive. That, that's, that will impact prices. Mm. There's no doubt about that. And, and look, I think the other the other impact on on the market, or one of the other, there's probably a few things, but another impact is has definitely um, potential, you know, government, government policy changes. Yeah. We've spoken about this in other podcasts. Won't go into too much detail, but um, I mean, there's a federal election coming up in the first half of this year. And there's probably a little bit of un- uncertainty around a couple of the policies, which... Know, could be um, swaying some potential property investors to stay on, stay on the sidelines. No doubt. I mean, whether it's property investors, developers, um, it's probably not just property. I think it's a number of asset classes and just investors in general are perhaps sitting on the sidelines until until the election and, and, and waiting for some clarity because in making decisions now and the whole, you know, the goalpost could move. Um, I think there's no doubt that investors are, are conscious of that. Yeah, and look, the obvious ones, the yeah, the negative gearing, proposed negative gearing changes, where Capital gains tax yeah, changes, yeah. All those so, sorts so of there's things. definitely a few things. There, any other? What are the other obvious things, Glenn, in terms of um, that have maybe had an impact on the on the market? They're probably the two big yeah, ones. Look, we just spoke they're about. probably the two main ones, but I think also just may, maybe it's the correction that we had to have, 
like you know we've had such a strong property market for a long long period of time and, and just looking at the total returns um, from property we, we've been talking about the asset values yep. but obviously properties generate income as well now if you look at the average yield for or the the rental return for melbourne property it's 3.2 percent um and it's the, actually the same in sydney so both of those markets have average rental yields of 3.2 percent which i th- I mean, historically, it's probably been a bit higher than that. Um, so what, what we're seeing is that property values have gone up, but rentals haven't gone at, up at the same rate. Mm. So the rate of return is really dependent on capital growth. Um, if you're not getting the rental return, then you want that capital growth. If the capital growth isn't there, that can put pressure on the market as well. So I think it's just a situation where we've just had a very, very strong market. And at some point, there was going to be a correction and a slowing of that market. I think that's probably the the other reason. It's all these there's all these external factors, but I mean you, you can't just continue going on the way that we were, where property was just continuing to grow and grow and grow. It's just not sustainable. Yeah, I mean, de- yeah, definitely, Glenn. With the the rentals, yeah, Melbourne and Sydney. I mean, you look at a. I'm just looking at a a graph here of the capital cities, and Melbourne and Sydney stand out considerably, much lower than than the other states at around that three percent mark. And you know, at the top you've got Darwin, which is I'm not sure if you've got the actual figures, but it's around six. Six percent? Have you got that? Yeah, well, well, Brisbane, uh, as far as if we just look through the capital cities, Brisbane's about a four percent yield. Um, Adelaide's a four and a half percent yield. Um, Perth's still pretty low. I think that's three point seven. Um, I mean, Hobart's five point six percent. So th- there, there is a variance in in the income returns. Maybe that's why investors have gone to those markets. Like Hobart, as I said, has got a an attractive yield. So. If we look at, okay, what's driving the growth in Hobart property, maybe sort of speculating it's investors in Melbourne and Sydney saying, well, I've bought this property, I'm only getting a 3% yield, Adelaide's giving me you know, 6%, maybe there's better value there. So mm. maybe that's what's driven the growth in properties in places like, um, like Hobart and Canberra. Sure. Just a couple of other things from the, the, the CoreLogic report. Um, so across the board for 2018, we spoke about that prices were down 4.8% in capital. Um, just a few other comments from the report. The broad weakening in housing market conditions in 2018 highlight, highlight that the slowdown, slowdown goes well beyond just, just Sydney and Melbourne. So it is, you know, although every state's different, um, it, it is kind of expanding. It probably out. just started earlier in some of those other cities, didn't it? I mean, Perth, I think you've got some stats there. Perth, as an example, has suffered far steeper falls, but over a longer period of time. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, so yeah, just, just to further to the, well, on that, on that point there, Glenn. Um, so Melbourne and Sydney are getting all the, all the attention, obviously, because they're the biggest, popular, yeah, biggest states. Yeah. Um, but their declines are much less severe relative to Perth and Darwin, where the values have been falling since mid 2014 in Perth and Darwin. So, so Sydney values are down 11, around 11% relative to their, um, their their level in July 2017 and Melbourne is down about 7% since its peak in November 2017. But the, the downturn in Perth and Darwin, they've, they've fallen from their peaks they've in, from 2014. Perth has fallen around 15% and Darwin has fallen around 25%. So I guess... Yeah, Melbourne and Sydney, it's been, it's been a lot shorter time that they've been in decline. Yeah. But some other states that maybe don't get as much attention, in particular if you're not in those 
those two yeah. states yeah. have been falling for a longer period. And just one other point, Glenn. Um, Sydney, at the end of 2018, Sydney values are back to where they were in August 2016. Mm-hmm. So they've given up, you know, what's that? Two and, what's that? Two and a bit year, almost two and yeah. a half years. Um, and, and Melbourne values are back to their levels from February 2017. So they've almost given up two years of, uh, of growth with their recent declines. And, and as you said before, Glenn, I don't disagree at all. It's probably not a bad thing. Can't keep going up forever. Every it's a learning experience for investors. In particular, I think um, Gen, Gen Y, millennials. I mean, they're only experiencing properties that it goes up. And as, as an advisor, when you're trying to talk to clients about the importance of diversification within a portfolio to minimize risk and and um, and and smooth returns over time. It's actually been quite difficult having those discussions with people that have only ever experienced a rising property market, which essentially has been a you know, bull market for 20 years, um, which just, as we know, isn't sustainable. So I think what this does do, even if it's just a, a lesson, is show you that property values can reduce. They don't go up every single year that you can suffer reductions. And once again, that's the importance of diversification. Mm. Uh, and just, just on the, the, the declines, we had, we had some declines in property prices in, in 2008. Um, but during the GFC. During the, the global financial crisis, there was, I guess that the impact spread across to, to property. But you know, before that, it was the early 90s. Yeah. So really since um, the early 90s, so how many years is that? 30 or 30 odd years, yeah. we've really only had two times, you know, yeah. 2008 and, and 2018, I guess, where the property market has, has had a bad year. Yeah. And that's definitely unusual, I would say, in terms of um, if you look back at you know, longer term or, or different property markets or a share market, for example, that's quite unusual to have that much growth with not much decline. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely it's, been it's a buoyant... De- Period. No, no, no doubt. There's probably been a lot of fundamentals behind that. You know, low interest rates, population growth, good the, economic the China, activity. The China commodity. Yeah, the whole boom. China story. It, it's all sort of worked in, in our favor as far as property markets go. But, you know, sometimes you can't be too insular. I mean, if you spoke to people in, a, in, the, in the States, in the UK, I mean, during the GFC, they, they experienced 50% falls in property values. So it can happen. Um, it's just, as I said, it's a matter of just um, being mindful of the fact that property values can go down in the short term. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, as for as for as for this year, it's. I mean, it is as I mentioned before that there's there is definitely predictions out there that it's gonna yeah. it's gonna get worse. And I mean, Glenn, we've said many times in this podcast, we're not really in the in the game of trying to make predictions because it's it's almost impossible with these kind of things, but. Um, look, it's. I think it could potentially be a, a, a tough a tough year again for property. There is that lag effect with property. Yeah. Um, states are definitely in different positions though. Like Melbourne and Sydney have maybe started some decline, so that potentially could could play out a little bit longer. It's really it's really anyone's guess, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it is a guess. That's all it is. I mean, you can't. No one can can sort of accurately predict markets, whether that's the sort of the property market or the share market. Um, whatever it may be so it's always difficult to to make those assumptions and trying to predict what what markets are going to do and I, I actually just just posted um, during the week it was probably more so relating to the um, to the share market John Bogle who passed away 
in the in the middle of the year, and he, he was referencing the the property market. But, I mean, sorry, the share market, but it, it can relate to property market as well. And what his quote was is, "Sure, it would be great to get out of the stock market at the high and back in, in at the low, but in 65 years in business, I not only have never met anybody that knew how to do it, I've never met anybody who had met anybody that knew how to do it." So this is, you know, a legendary investor saying that no one can pick the bottom or the top or, or make assumptions as to what the market's going to do. Um, but if you were to sort of, um, you know, put, instead of sitting on the fence, if you, if you were to go in one direction, the one thing that I probably would look at is the rental returns. And you'd say, okay, if, if the rental returns at the moment, as I said, with Melbourne are 3.2%, and then you compare that with the historical average, and let's just say that's between 35 and 4%, then if, if we're saying that perhaps valuations will get back to more of their historical average, if you're assuming that rentals aren't going to go up, then maybe we do see a further reduction in prices like between 5 and 10%. Mm. That would be my prediction. But once again, you don't really know because if, um, if, if, there's, if there's further restrictions on investors, you know, taking away negative gearing, that could be a negative, but, could, but it could also push up rental returns. Uh, because if there's less investment properties out there, then the ones that are available um, are going to be hotly in demand. So rents might go up. Um, but look, I think it's a real difficult one. I know that the banks have already loosened um, their restrictions on interest-only loans. Um, so it, it'll take a bit of time for all of that to play out in the market. Um, but I mean, what, what are your views, Nathan? What do you think? In terms of the, the uh, yeah, 2019, what, what might happen this year? Yeah, look, I think yeah, it's um, I, I'm probably a bit more cautious on, on on in particular Melbourne and Sydney, maybe maybe to see a little bit more of a, of a decline. I'm I'm definitely not overly bearish taking that long term view. I think yeah, the I think interest rates is an interesting one where it's funny how the the what, what's going to have further impacts on property prices interest rates is one what what the direction government policy is another one employment unemploy- unemployment yeah, is probably the big one yeah and, and the third one's just about to say is unemployment so i think interest rates there is still some room to move there like we are quite low but you know we can go down if we need to yeah and look a common belief just with regards to interest rates is that if rates start to increase yeah so long as you've got a job i think most on the history shows that most of the time, people will try and make it work. So if the property market's holding up, if interest rates start to increase, um, if you've got a job, you'll try and make the situation where you can continue to make repayments. You'll find most of the time people find a way. But where the issue occurs is where you've got rising interest rates and if there's a slowdown in, in, in the economy and unemployment starts to rise, that's where you might see further headwinds for, for property. So I think the, if you're looking at what, what do I look for, I'd be saying interest rates, but also unemployment. Because if unemployment's low and you've got good population growth, which we do have in Melbourne, um, and I think Australia in general has some pretty good population growth, then that's probably going to hold good for property longer term. Um, but in the short term, they're probably the two main things that, that I'd be keeping an eye on. I was just trying to... Uh, yeah, I mean, with that point about interest rates um, rising if you have a job, I was just trying to bring up the, the uh, household debt to GDP because I know that... I mean, we are. That's one of the things that often often gets thrown around with um with Australian property prices that it's yeah. relatively high, like yeah. compared to what it has been in the past in other countries around the world. Yeah. Um. 
so that's just probably another another thing to to kind of bear in mind that we we do you know have a fair bit of household debt so yeah. interest rate rises are going to have maybe more of an impact than they have in the past for that reason so um yeah so so i guess it was good just to talk through those couple of those couple of points but as long as yeah unemploy- unemployment is probably the big one as long as that remains sound but the thing the other thing that i want to talk about glenn is the the other thing that kind of plays in my mind a bit is just the, the wealth effect and um what this slowdown in property prices or if it accelerates a little bit further you know it's probably something that's very hard to understand how it's going to play out, but what, what will this wealth effect have on the overall economy? So, yeah. And what I mean by that is, are you less inclined to upgrade your car, to do a renovation because your house is worth less? Well, retail spending in general, isn't retail, it? I mean, yeah, all that retail spending stuff. So that's the probably the thing that you know plays on my mind a little bit is it's hard to know how that's going to play out, this whole wealth effect. And, and just, just on that, I, I was reading in an article, there has been, obviously people try and work this out and, and there has been a few predictions as to how the impact that the wealth effect might have. Um, and sorry, I'll just try and bring it up. I had it just in front of me. I'll just try and bring it up well, It's more so just confidence, isn't it? I mean, the confidence is a big driver of, of people's expenditure habits. So if people's asset values are reducing... They're probably less inclined to spend money, which therefore impacts the economy. Mm. Um, so, just some estimates from, uh, I believe this is Capital Economics, where they estimate that the wealth effect will subtract about 0.5 percentage points off annual consumption growth each year or 0.3% off annual GDP growth per year. So, that's, I mean, that's quite substantial in terms of if our if our GDP is running at, what's it at the moment? Um, is it two, three-ish, something like that? Um, don't have these... Oh, in growth, yeah, yeah, that's the pers- target. Yeah, so if it's going to knock off, I mean, these are just estimates, but um, 0.3%, mm. this wealth effect is quite substantial. Yeah, I mean, I think at the moment, uh, um, household debt as a percentage of GDP is about 130 yeah, in Australia. Yeah, over 100. I mean, that's quite it was high. Like below 50 in the late 80s. So that, that's, that's what I was talking about. If, if interest rates rise... People have a lot more debt. It's a lot harder to contain than it was in the past. So, yeah. I mean, I think employment and interest rates are definitely the big ones to consider what they do. Well, it's one of the highest in the world. I mean, Australia. Was well, it Denmark? Isn't it? Denmark's always well, the other yeah, one. Cyprus yeah, Cyprus and Denmark are sort of 130. Switzerland's very close to Australia. Um, I mean, even the UK is lower than Australia, 90, you know, 93. Do you want to maybe um, just for our listeners that don't, debt to GDP, do you want to maybe quickly explain that? Well, GDP is just the total size of the Australian economy. Yeah. So essentially, our debt is bigger than the size of our economy. Yeah. That's what it's saying. Yeah. So it's all it's all it's all good and well when when things are going okay and people can service the debt. Yeah. Look, debt's not necessarily a yeah. bad thing. I mean, you know, the, I suppose people talk about government debt and how bad it is. There's nothing wrong with debt if you've got growth. It's like if you buy an investment property, you you might have all this debt, but if the value of the property is going up, which is exceeding mm. your debt, then it's not such an issue. The issue comes with this particular measure is that if you've got declining GDP and now your debt's exceeding how much money you've got, that's where it becomes an issue. Yeah. And Australia's been fortunate enough. I mean, we keep getting told how many years we've gone without a recession, so we've been very fortunate. Um, how many years is it now? 20, 30 years. Is it 28 or, or something? Yeah, it's a yeah. long, long time. Um, 
I mean, the other thing we, we didn't speak about in terms of impacts um, is the, the Royal Commission. We've spoken about the Royal Commission a fair bit on, on other ep- episodes of this podcast where there is going to be a, a report which is going to come out in, in February of this year, so in a month or two. Um, yeah, there, there could be things in that report as well that, that could have impacts on the property market. Time will tell. Yeah, and, and once again, when, when we're talking about... We're really just focusing on the short term here and we, we would always preach and you know espouse that you've always got to take a long-term view. If the property market's falling, don't panic. I mean, So what's our... Maybe for some key takeout for our listeners, what's our advice? Maybe we'll look at it from a couple of angles. If you're a, if you're a current investor in the Australian property market, you have investment properties and then secondly, if you're looking to get into the market for the first time, what would our... So maybe takeout value for our listeners be today? I think just doing some sensitivity analysis. I mean, if if rates start to rise, can you afford those repayments? What what risk management strategy do you have in place if you're you're without a job? They're the two main things that are going to impact your your investments. Because as we've said many times, you don't get hurt by a falling market. You get hurt by a falling market when you're forced to sell. Mm. You only sell when you lose. So if if you're not forced to sell, then you can ride through this. And and history shows us that. Over you know a five, seven, ten year period, these asset values generally go up, but you've got to be in a position where you can invest over that time frame. If you're not, that's when you're going to get hurt. Mm. So my my view would be, or my my advice would be, just look at your situation and and which is probably what you should have done even before you've made the acquisition or the the property purchase. But um, make sure that you can withstand any of those potential threats to your investment, mm. things that could potentially force you to sell. Yeah, I think if you're an, a current investor in the property market, definitely, yeah, that sensitive, sensitivity analysis was very, very important because you never want to be in a position where you're forced to sell an asset. And we, we're obviously strong advocates of diversification, so would always caution people being loaded up in one particular market. Um, ne- not necessarily a reason to run out and sell, though, um, you know, in particular when the market might have eased a little bit. You know, don't, it's the same don't with f- shares, isn't it? If you, you buy a good company, you hold it forever. I'm not saying you'd hold a property forever, but it's sort of a loose comment. The reasons that you bought the property at the height of the market, if you made the decision to hold it longer term, should they really change because it's come off? Does yeah. it really matter? You're not selling it. Have you got a tenant? Are you getting rent? Are you able to meet the repayments? They, they should be the yeah. key, key questions that you're asking yourself. It's, it's more about what's that property going to be worth in you know 10 years from when you bought it, not one or two years from when you bought it. So... Um, and look for new and for potential new. I was entrants. actually going to ask you what 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 would be the suggestion for people who have, you know, been been sort of sitting on the sidelines for a while, have been thinking, oh, I can't really afford to get in the market. Maybe it's come off. Is now a good time to buy? De- What's the advice to those people? Is it to sit on the sidelines longer? No, look, that definitely. So it's definitely a buyer's market now. So things are definitely the the power is arguably back in the in the buyer's favour. Where a year or two. To go, it was more of a seller's market where you could yeah. command a high price. So you can be smart, you know, negotiate and, and perhaps get a really good deal. So in terms of, you know, should you wait, that's always dangerous. So we always take the view of you, you know, you've made a, made a call to purchase an asset, whether it's lifestyle or an investment decision, um, trying to time the market to anticipate further falls is quite dangerous. So um, our, our advice would be, you know, if you've done your analysis and you think it's a good opportunity to buy it, whether it's a lifestyle asset or an investment, um, now's always the best time to invest. Yeah. So, as we keep saying, it's time in the market, not timing. So just don't try and time the market. 
Sure. All right, Glenn. Um, good discussion today on you know Australian property prices. Um, just a, a very quick wrap. We spoke about the the performance figures that were recently released for the 2018 year, where they were quite uh, negative, um, and you know, we discussed some of the impacts as to why why that has happened and, and, and how it might play out in 2019. So thanks again for listening. Look forward to having you next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, Thanks again. We'll see you next week.